0: After World War II, the Marshall Plan was designed to rebuild the economies and spirit of a continent devastated by the conflict. That post-war recovery initiative from the Americans is well documented, as are the United Nations relief efforts. But until recently, nothing was written about the simultaneous Irish aid To Europe. Ireland donated millions of pounds worth of food, clothes, blankets, and medicines to war torn countries, a substantial amount of aid relative to our size and our population. And this story is told in the recently published book, Ireland's Helping Hand to Europe 1945 to 1950, combating hunger from Normandy to Tirana. It's the product of seven years of research and draws on material from dozens of archives throughout Europe. The author is Dr. Jerome Anne Deville from the School of History at University College Cork, and he joins me now. Jerome, you're very welcome indeed to the programme.
1: Good afternoon, Miles. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Now the plan for Irish relief for Europe was announced officially in May 1945. But Éamon de Valera had been thinking about it for a couple of years. For him, I suppose it wasn't just a humanitarian project, but it uh, was also, I suppose nowadays you'd call it an example of soft power. So in this instance, a strategy to protect Ireland's reputation after the war.
1: Uh, Yes, I think you could put it that way, Miles. In 1943, uh, of course, Ireland was neutral during the war. As we all know, there was pressure for it to join uh, on the side of the Western Allies, uh, which the Irish refused to do, although it was collaborating behind the scenes. But uh, de Valera foresaw that perhaps after the war, an attempt may be made to isolate Ireland because it had been officially neutral in the war. And this is what you read in a letter that he wrote to his friend, uh, Sean Tio Kelly, in, in 1943 where uh, he said, um, I quote, we will send 100,000 pounds to Bengal in India to show that we are not unmindful of the misery in the world around us from which we have been so far providentially saved. An effort will be made to isolate us in the post-war period. This seems to me to be an excellent opportunity to break through the net. So by this he meant that if Ireland was going to be involved in substantial humanitarian aid after the war, well, that would be to Ireland's credit. Of course, That's a political calculation, but the people in the government in Ireland had also a humanitarian one. So if you want, it was a mixed, these were mixed motivations to come to the aid of continental countries after the war.
0: Now, this is somebody, obviously, who is very, very conscious of optics, therefore. So why is somebody who was so conscious of optics, the person who visits the German legation in the immediate aftermath of the death of the suicide of Hitler and offers the German state sympathy on the death of their head of state?
1: Yeah, that is, very, uh, that is very contradictory, of course. Now, again, that, that, that handshake uh, debacle uh, is, is well known. Having said that, uh, the Irish began to think about humanitarian aid to uh, Europe uh, during the war, well before the handshake, as it so happened. Now, I haven't found any evidence that seems to suggest that one of the main motivations for helping uh, France, for helping Poland, for helping other countries was to forget about de uh, Valera's handshake with Hempel. So I think that cannot be said. Uh, now, of course, you, you can say that uh, it helped to improve Ireland's image after that disastrous a handshake that is quite correct but i have not found any document that uh, stresses that one of the motives was to make the uh, to make the people forget the handshake uh, catastrophe
0: now you go into a lot of detail about what ireland actually gave what ireland donated and uh, reading the book one of the things that occurred to me was that ireland must have been responsible for uh, dental decay all over Europe, because thousands of tonnes of sugar, for example, uh, were, were, were sent in aid. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to see how important sugar would have been, but uh, obviously it was of some importance.
1: Yes, uh, it was sent all over Europe, really. Now, I can give you um, one or two examples. In Hungary, out of a population of about 9 million people, about 3.2 million Uh, received 200 grams of irish sugar each so that is a phenomenal amount of sugar sent to hungary and at some stage in athens there were about 800 tons of irish sugar Uh, now that was mainly distributed to the elderly and uh, young people in in ireland and of course in preparation for food uh, uh, and so on and so on Uh, other such items were uh, for example bacon and many dairy products, milk powder, for example, uh, all exported in hundreds and hundreds of tons to uh, you know, countries from, from France all the way to, for example, Albania and Bulgaria.
0: Now, by coincidence, 1945 would have been the centenary of the beginning of the Irish famine. And I think in a lot of the material that you have come across in archives, the famine is invoked as a lesson from our own history, as it were.
1: Uh, that's correct. So when the Valera announces uh, the plan officially on the 18th of May 1945 in the Dole in Doire, and well, many people re- remind that uh, exactly 100 years ago, in 1845, uh, there was a famine in Ireland, and several European countries, European peoples, came to the aid uh, of of Ireland, and that is a theme that you see in, in governmental circles that is used to try to convince the Irish people to donate, but also by the churches, for example, uh, by voluntary organisations, and uh, by the media, the press at the time. I remember the 100th anniversary of the famine. So, for example, uh, French Catholics came to the aid of, aid of Ireland, Austrian Austrians did come... Orthodox Russia even, uh, the Ottoman Empire, the, the Muslim Ottoman Empire, all came to uh, the aid of Ireland. And uh, yes, that is one of the, uh, the ideas that is put forward to, to, you know, remember the famine of 100 years ago.
0: Now, you're talking about a lot of food, a lot of material. How did we get it to Europe? I would have thought by 1945, we didn't have that many cargo ships left.
1: No, that's correct. Many had been sunk sunk during the war, of course. uh, But one of the caveats was that when De Valera announced the uh, three million relief scheme in in the Doyle, he said that uh, the Continentals would uh, have to come to collect it. Now, there were a couple of uh, ships that were involved, Irish ships, that were involved in uh, the transporting of the the goods to to Europe, but uh, mostly there would have been foreign ships. So the way it proceeded was that uh, the ships would generally sail to uh, to the Bordeaux-Bayonne area in, in southwest France and from then on the supplies would be loaded and uh, if they were meant for the International Red Cross they would be loaded onto trains and transported to Geneva from where they would distri- be distributed to Central and Eastern Europe.
0: Okay, we'll come back to Geneva so we'll park that for the moment but one figure who surprised me as emerging a uh, uh, being of considerable significance in all of this uh, is somebody who would otherwise have been a bet noire for contemporary Liberals and uh, certainly a bet more for, uh, for more Liberals of uh, more recent date. That's John Charles McQuaid the Archbishop of Dublin. He played an important role in all of this,
1: didn't he? Yes, he, he, uh, he plays a very important role. Now of course Mac- as we all know, McQuaid is a quite a controversial figure. Uh, he's been seen as a control freak uh, if I may say so. Uh, authoritarian, austere, but uh, behind that facade there is a very deeply compassionate man. Now, for example, he is involved... When the idea uh, is suggested that Ireland should uh, welcome a certain number of continental children uh, who had suffered from traumas during the war, McQuaid is immediately involved, and he is very instrumental in the welcoming of uh, French uh, children to Ireland, about 100 French children in, in September 1945. And then, of course, when this plan is announced, as well, the the, the sending of relief supplies to the continent, he becomes involved massively in the collection of supplies in his uh, diocese uh, for France, for Hungary, for uh, for Italy. His work is very remarkable in in, in that respect, absolutely. And is he able to use church networks? Yeah, the advantage of the, the Catholic Church is that it's, of course, a transnational. You know, it is present everywhere. And, for example... He receives a few letters from different archbishops in uh, bishops in Europe. For example, uh, Archbishop de Jong f- from uh, Utrecht in the Netherlands who uh, writes in a letter in Latin to him asking for uh, his aid, for Ireland's aid. And McQuaid uh, helps him out, he does. And he is very much in touch with uh, Joseph Walsh and Frederick H. Boland, who are the top silver servants in the Department of External Affairs, as it was known then and with whom he um, talks regularly about relief. So he's he's massively present. Now, in 1947,
0: there was an exceptionally cold winter. There was a big freeze. Temperatures dropped dramatically in Ireland to something like minus 14 for a number of weeks. How did that impact this relief effort?
1: Yeah, so that was the the big freeze. This was a very freak uh, freak accident. As you know, uh, Irish weather is, is rather mild. But for weeks, at the beginning of 1947, Ireland was overcome by temperatures that would uh, fall as low as minus 14, covered in in, in layers of snow and ice. And at that stage, you get, shall we say, a a campaign that is developing with certain uh, newspapers that you could describe as a a charity begins at home type of campaign. And that is, um, should we continue to export supplies to the continent Bearing in mind what is happening here in Ireland, where people are dying from, from the cold and hunger, quite correctly. Now, the Valera and several bishops from the Catholic hierarchy opposed this campaign. And they said that, yes, the position at home is extremely preoccupying, but the position for continentals is still very much worse. But what you do have is uh, debates that are reported by the newspapers. So, for example, if you go to Galway, there is uh, a debate between the the technical school, Galway Technical School, and the Dominican Convent-Taylors Hill School for or against uh, relief. And uh, the Galway Technical School wins that debate, according to the people present, and they were against relief. But by the summer of 1947, there was a golden harvest in Ireland and the uh, the problem blows over, really. So by the beginning of ni- September 1947, it's the debate is, is, is finished.
0: OK, we parked Geneva. Let's get back to it. Tell us how the Vatican wasn't happy with how Irish supplies were being distributed.
1: Uh, yes. So, of course, this whole humanitarian operation takes place in the background of the Cold War, the nascent Cold War, East and West conflict, that uh, is getting more and more precise. And at the beginning in 1945-46, it is not too much of a problem. But then when the first persecutions of, uh, for example, um, Cardinal midzenti in Hungary or Archbishop Stepinat in, in, in Yugoslavia become known in Ireland, now public opinion, Irish public opinion is, is outraged. There are also kinds of allegations that the communists the local communists may hijack manipulate Irish supplies to their advantage which in in fact is not true i i can say that but here comes in the vatican that prefers really that ireland uh, collaborates directly with the vatican in humanitarian aid or uh, through for example the national catholic welfare conference which is led by the american catholic hierarchy rather than the uh, International Red Cross Society. Now, the International Red Cross Society is based in Geneva and was in charge of of distributing Irish supplies behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, now eventually uh, the Valera's government gives in to that and collaboration with uh, the International Red Cross is, is terminated and continued with the National Catholic Welfare Conference, which is far tougher on emerging communist regimes.
0: So, was this Irish aid in the main going to European Catholic countries, European Catholics?
1: Uh, no, that I, I don't think that can be said. For example, uh, an awful lot of supplies are being sent to Bulgaria, Greece, Romania, which would be Orthodox. In Albania, now that is a very interesting uh, example, I think. Albania is a predominantly Muslim. It gets Irish supplies and, for example, in, in France, in the Parisian region, Irish supplies are distributed to the North African population who lives there. So there is no discrimination of, of any kind. Not that I could find, no. Uh,
0: Jerome, did the operation work from an Irish point of view? Did it help prevent what de Valera feared, the isolation of Ireland after the Second World War?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question and, and with a complex answer, really. Uh, so on, on the one hand... Ireland seems to open up to Europe and is admitted, for example, it uh, participates in the setting up of the Council of Europe in The Hague in in, in 1948. There are as well um, some negotiations that Ireland might become part of NATO, although that does not uh, happen as we all know uh, eventually, and that was back in 1949. Ireland wants to become a member of the United Nations, but is blocked by the Soviet Union from 1945 until 1955. The Soviets arguing that Ireland had been in favour of Germany during the war, which is not correct. And then, on the other hand, you have the beginnings of European integration. Ireland does not participate in the Treaty of Paris, the setting up of the Coal and Steel Pact. And a few years later, the setting up of the EEC, the Treaty of Rome, in 1957. So, it's, it's a bit of both, really. Uh, now, Ireland develops very good relations, for example, with the Netherlands for a brief per- period. It sent many supplies to the Netherlands, and you, you get the development of very strong ties. At some stage, the Netherlands become Ireland's fourth or fifth largest uh, import-export partner. There are some cultural exchanges. Uh, all that is as a result of this Irish aid to the Netherlands. So... It's a bit of both, really, Miles. I realise there is no clear-cut answer to that. But to say that it was deliberately isolated is not correct, apart from the Soviet Union that refused, uh, as I just said, UN membership to Ireland until 1955.
0: Well, the book is called Ireland's Helping Hand to Europe, 1945 to 1950, Combating Hunger from Normandy to Tirana. It's published by Central European University Press. The author is my guest, Jerome Andeville. And, Jerome, many thanks indeed for joining us. Many thanks, Miles. Many thanks.